0: sometimes when your things are easy you don't think people should pay you for them so you know I would be like oh it's actually really easy for me to sit down with someone and guide them through a meditation I had you know so many students on my course who really found that difficult and I thought this is really easy you know it's like having a conversation with someone and supporting their mental mindset and you know empowering them Uh, people shouldn't be paying me for this because it feels like fun you know (laughs) yeah and I thought well no no that's my skill set that's my skill set you know so I was like oh I see it now I see that as my skill set right so I think that's important as well is that we have actually a lot of expertise that we don't label expertise but when you look at it for what it is it's expertise and you don't have to have done it for 10 years so I was like okay cool someone else has tried to do this for 10 years and hasn't been as good it's this is this is my thing
1: (laughs) welcome to another episode of big risk energy on this podcast, we talk to an amazing range of people. And we talk to these people about risk. Risk they've taken in their lives, risk they've taken in their careers, when they paid off and when they didn't. And on this week's episode, I'm blessed to be joined by the one and only Katie Mantle george Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: It's so good to be here. I love um, hearing my whole name actually, funny yeah. enough. <laughs> it feels quite long when you say it, and you hear it from somebody else, but it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, amazing. So Katie, you are an author, you're a certified meditation teacher and a corporate empathy speaker, which is a bunch of really, really interesting concepts that probably a lot of people don't necessarily grasp on the face of it. Um, I'd love to start with meditation. Um, such a, a, a privilege for us to have a, a certified teacher with us today. How do you explain the benefits of meditation to someone who has never tried it?
0: Yeah, well, gosh, there are so many. Um, But I suppose that one of the first things to mention about meditation is that what you're really doing is shifting your focus and your awareness from one thing to another thing. So that is basically at a basic level, what's happening. So if you have a super busy mind and you have lots of ideas or you're thinking about too many things, the point of meditation is to give you an anchor to move your um, awareness away from that onto something else. So your body and your biology and your mind is never going to be able to stop thinking. Mm -hmm. So you'll see there are some practices where the idea is that you would stop thinking and there's going to be silence and Mm -hmm. that can actually create more stress because it's not possible (laughs) it's not possible to stop thinking what you need to do is replace those thoughts with something else Mm. Um, and there are different types of meditation that can support you to move that awareness or to replace um, a new thought in place of the other ones so essentially that's it Um, so much more I could say but I'm going to stop there for now (laughs) no no
1: love it I think it's an amazing explanation of course would expect nothing less Um, one of the really interesting things for me as you said, is challenge anyone to spend five seconds without thinking. It's basically impossible. And I think it does cause a lot of people a lot of stress when they start out meditating and they're like, I cannot stop thinking. And I think it takes a while to build that realization that that's not the goal is to stop the thoughts. Yes. Um, And the thoughts will always be there. And uh, I can't remember where I heard this. I was doing some guided meditation and they were describing you know, the the contents of consciousness as mm-hmm. being, you know, everything we experience at all the time, But mm-hmm. our attention is like a spotlight, right? We have control over this spotlight and we can put it on different things yes. if we train our mind. So a bit of a, maybe a philosophical question for you is, do thoughts run all the time, but actually when we're just putting our attention somewhere else, we're not hearing them? Or do you think thoughts
0: ever do stop? So, yeah, I mean, it could get quite philosophical <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Thoughts, I don't believe, stop. Mm. Uh, Your consciousness is an ongoing, ever-existing being in itself almost. In in fact, almost we are conscious beings, right? Mm. So depending on what you believe and how you see life after death or before death or, you know, um, reincarnation, um, consciousness is the thing that really drives us and where existence is. Mm. And so obviously we're not 100% sure where consciousness sits, (laughs) whether it's actually in the biological brain or whether it's spirit or soul or whatever mm. that might be. Um, but it is always, always there. So when we're sleeping, we have these different states of consciousness that we can be in. Um, you know, the when you're not aware of yourself being there because you're sleeping, are you still there? Mm. Right? <laughs> you're obviously still there because you're still lying in your bed and you are still Roy or Katie. Um, But actually, you're not aware of your consciousness or your thoughts or what's going on. But it doesn't mean you don't exist, Mm -hmm. right? So there's lots of debate around that. Or when you're here, what really exists for us right now is this moment and this conversation. We don't know what's happening on the street, outside or at home or anywhere else. So it's almost like nothing else exists Mm. just because we are not aware of it. Mm. Um, So it's always there. Thoughts are always there. Consciousness is always there. We're just not um, aware of all of it at the same time yeah, yeah.
1: it's it's fascinating thank you so mm. much for the explanation as well and i think for me one of the amazing things uh, about meditation in that context and would love to understand how you've approached this is if our reality is based on our consciousness and the contents of our consciousness our ability to control the contents of our consciousness allows us to shape our own reality and I think when that comes to ideas of empowerment and ideas of taking back control of our lives of our thoughts being able to act in different situations I think it's a, a real cheat code for life yes, meditation yeah. <laughs> so where do you see meditation and empowerment and taking back control coming together
0: yeah I mean a big part of it is how you perceive the world So um, we often when we want to do things or make big changes or take risks, um, we're often worried about what other people might think, for example. So we don't do it because your parents might think it's a bad idea or your friends might think you're silly. Um, All all this very natural to to feel that way. Um, But if you were to switch your perception um, to how you choose to perceive things, Mm. then you feel a lot braver to actually take the action because you're more in touch with what you actually want to do and who you actually are and decisions that you want to make. That supports you to move forwards more confidently versus the extra energy and effort of what are people going to think? Um, So I think that is part of most societies globally in the world, um, worrying about others. And meditation supports you to actually bring your awareness into yourself to be able to make clearer and better informed decisions about what you want to do. Mm. But that also supports the people around you because if you're operating in a way that's very true to yourself, people replicate that and that becomes behavior that mimics um, without you having to encourage or persuade other people to do the same or to find their own path. So that idea of perception is very powerful and meditation supports you to Um, perceive situations in a way that is supportive of you Mm. and your growth and your development. Um, So I would say perception for sure. And when you're looking at situations from more of a bird's eye point of view versus from your conditioning, then you make better informed decisions. So we are pretty much everything, every action that we take is based on our memories and our experiences, right? So that's when a lot of people talk about karma, for example, you know, That's kind of the concept that comes from the ancient Vedic traditions. Um, So you're not making informed decisions most of the time. You're making decisions that are based on experiences you've had or what people have told you. So meditation supports you to be able to very obviously rapidly and without thinking, zoom out of the situation and look at it for exactly what it is and then have your response or make your decision. So you're not having that kind of toxicity of your conditioning that is making... um, decisions big big decisions sometimes
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing and and i love how you put that and i think there, at least in my experience and i think uh one of the things you've already mentioned is we have to be careful about um trying to put the meditation experience into a box because ultimately people will seek different things from it and achieve different things from it and want to use it to different ends yep. but for me especially in a, a high stress job such as being a founder um meditation has allowed me to achieve a type of freedom from suffering, pain and stress that nothing else in the world has allowed me to have. Because when you're spending so much of your life in your head, tied up in these thoughts and going around in these circles and, and, you know, all the things that we feel when we're stressed, mm. having that circuit breaker there, which actually gives you freedom from realizing how much suffering we place on ourselves, in our thoughts, and how little of it actually happens in the contents of consciousness outside of our thoughts. For me, it's felt like real freedom.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love the way you've put that and you you obviously have a good understanding of how meditation supports you trying to
1: but it's one of them like the more you learn the more you realize you don't know right
0: well absolutely and actually the more you practice so you know it the more you look into something and you're curious about something and you explore it then you start to feel the benefits and I think you know one of the magic things about meditation that you may have noticed through your own practice is that it's not that it's necessarily always wonderful during the practice, mm. right? It's going to be difficult some days and easier some days, but it's more about what happens after and outside of the practice. Yes. So when you meditate regularly, you start to notice that when you don't, the day is just not as smooth. Mm. You're not as focused. You know, things are not seen as clearly, or you're not as blissful or joyful, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that is part of your continuation of the practice, is, is understanding and thinking gosh, actually, this is not just for this moment. It's not just for these five minutes or 10 minutes. It's for the magic that happens outside of that. It's for the magic that happens in your biology and your brain and things that change and shift. Mm-hmm. Um, so that keeps you going, right, when you experience that that bliss is is what it's often called, um, those moments of bliss that meditation can support.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that's it. It's I think the the end goal of, of meditation, for me anyway, is actually where there stops being, a, you know, uh, a line between active practicing and living the rest of life, yes. right? It's trying to become mm. integrated.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, and one of the biggest um, kind of, I suppose, misconceptions with meditation it is absolutely a great stress relief mm-hmm. mechanism or practice or whatever to kind of have a peaceful, harmonious life. Um, but what normally happens is that people will start meditating when they're feeling stressed. Mm-hmm. So they'll do their meditation when they're stressed and then they'll stop when they're feeling better. And so meditation becomes attached to that feeling of stress. Mm. And so that can also put people off from continuing their practice. So subconsciously, they're associating the two things together, right? Which is not where we want to be. So if you practice meditation all the time, regardless of how stressed you are or how upset you are, you use it in the happy days, the bad days, then it becomes a part of your existence, right? It's not associated with negativity. Um, And then also this um, association with stress is... Is good because it certainly supports you being able to sleep better and be less stressed mm-hmm. and more harmonious. But actually, meditation also supports you your your expansion in terms of your creativity and your innovation, your ability to think of new ideas and and have that braveness to actually jump on board them. And people don't see meditation as a tool for that necessarily. Um, they don't see it as this kind of expansive um, mm. practice. They see it as this fix to a problem which is what we're used to in societies oh okay I'll meditate when I'm stressed or you know I'll take the tablet when I'm ill Um, but actually no meditate to support your you know blossoming and flourishing of your ideas and of you becoming yourself and being yourself um, is, a, is a really good reason to meditate.
1: <laughs> I love it and it, it's so interesting you say that I never put two and two together on that but now that you say it and sometimes it takes that it's so clear to me because when I started meditating a uh, similar sort of time to you, about six years ago um, I came into it through an app called Headspace which I'm yes. sure you come across and mm. to be honest I think you know when you get further into your practice maybe Headspace is not necessarily as useful as it is at the start but for me it was the like the most accessible way mm. for me to get into it which was yes. really really valuable i think mm-hmm. that's what it's about um but you know you used to have these meditation streaks and i'd get so stressed <laughs> about losing my streak and feel like such a pressure <laughs> <and it laughs> yeah start, i remember that yeah yeah it started yeah. almost having like a negative connotation mm. so yeah i think you're you're 100 right yeah. um and for me one of the things that um you know i, I don't think was necessarily appreciated even six, seven years ago, I mean, I'm sure it was, but maybe not in the mainstream in the way that it is now, is actually the neurological impacts mm. of, and, and um, the way that it, it causes neuroplasticity and new pathways yeah. in the mind. And I think that's, mm. um, uh, when you're in the corporate environment, do, do people start appreciating that element and see the, the real practical scientific rather than the, the, you know, let's call it spiritual elements of yeah.
0: meditation? Yeah, definitely. With corporate clients, it's, it's not about the spiritual connection, mm. even though we know that's Shock. what's going to happen anyway. Like, <laughs> it's like, we'll come in with the data and the science. Yes. Um, But really, you're becoming a spiritual being a bit sneaky. Um, No, no. But yes, you go in with the date and and it it is scientifically proven, luckily. So it's actually um, you've got great research and tools to be able to take it into the corporate space. I mean, from the perspective of people being happier um, and people being more innovative and creative, organizations actually really want that clearly. You know, if you're a ga- if you're a game-changing tech company and you want people to come up with new ideas, then meditation is one of your tools. Um, so that's very attractive. Obviously, with the science around kind of neuroplasticity, it's it's absolutely true. We've also got um, in the workplace a lot of stress is created by how people. Um, behave with each other and how they react to stressful situations mm-hmm. in meetings or with clients in debates about, about strategy, for example, um, what we really want to be able to do in those situations is stay calm and respond to each other versus react to each other, Yes. right? So meditation is the number one tool for you to respond versus react, and the workplace is one place where we're reacting almost all the time, mm. and we're not even aware of it. So organizations are very happy with that. And when you meditate, you have um, a thing called the amygdala in yeah. the kind of the front of your mind. And it's a certain size and it's, it's, it's quite big, usually um, for prehistoric reasons that we were obviously in danger a lot more when we were mm. cave people, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're not cave people anymore. And, and yep. luckily we're in a society where we don't have real dangers all the time, but we do have small dangers. But anyway, when you meditate, your amygdala actually reduces in size. Interesting. Um, so physically reduced in size and a smaller amygdala relates to you being able to respond more effectively and more calmly.
1: Right. Because so, it's like fight and flight. Exactly,
0: exactly, right. So so you don't have to meditate for the intention or the purpose of being a calmer person, but if you just do the meditation, your body will react to it, your amygdala will start to shrink and you will naturally become a a calmer, better responsive person. Wow. So you don't have to have the intention or the end goal. Your body is actually doing the work for you. Um, So once you know that, you're maybe more likely to meditate because it is an effortless activity that genuinely changes your biology. Wow. Um, so, yeah, pretty magical, really.
1: <laughs> Incredible. And it, it's so interesting you say that. And I'm so glad that you gave me that answer because I didn't know that that element of, of the impact on the brain. But something that I've been realizing myself is obviously, you know, our consciousness has developed over time based on our need for survival, yes. hunting, yeah. gathering, what, you know, whatever it might be, all the physical threats that we, didn't, we don't have now to the same extent. And I have felt since I started meditating that parts of consciousness got almost muted in order to allow for that fight-or-flight mechanism, right? In order to allow for us to be our, you know, most physically aware, physically active versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I think there is that opportunity, and I've certainly felt within myself over this time, and loads of other people I've spoken to the same, is almost these other parts of consciousness which may have you know started to evolve out are coming back things like mm. gratitude compassion mm. which don't help us survive in a in a yeah. you know um fight over resources mm. but are, are much more applicable now
0: yeah absolutely definitely yeah i mean it's funny when you think about you know the, i mean there, there are so when i teach students obviously with the i teach a type of transcendental meditation oh wow as okay. well yeah yeah so it's called primordial sound meditation but okay. It's, you know, the intention is not to reach higher states of consciousness, but that's absolutely what can happen. So it's really tapping into these other states of consciousness that we're not really aware of. Mm. Um, and it will, you know, ma- manifest itself in this this state of bliss that opens up these um, opportunities or gaps towards finding what your true self is mm-hmm. or finding the additional... Um, um, magic that you're able to create in your daily life so i would i would definitely say that when i was switching um from corporate to being brave enough to go into my own mm-hmm. um business i wanted to
1: ask you about this risk of yeah, yeah yeah
0: <laughs> meditation was my primary tool and wow. i didn't know that's what it was at the time it was actually more of a stress management tool um but as i meditated more and more and kind of went into more of the transcendental meditation i started realizing that There were parts of me that I just literally had not noticed before and hadn't seen before. There were skills I had that I hadn't recognised. There were um, desires that I had that were just not there before in terms of what I actually wanted to do with my life Mm. so there was an opening and an awareness of who I truly was that was maybe would never have been available to me if I hadn't you know taken the practice maybe a little bit more seriously and I just started seeing more opportunities and attracting the people who could support me to have them um, and attracting you know the the training and the courage and and all of that so it was Certainly, something that helps me to literally just open up my mind to what the possibilities could be and are.
1: (laughs) Wow, amazing! And I think that's Mm -hmm. um, you know one of the things I hear from so many guests that we've had on the Mm -hmm. podcast is when they're taking those big risks, you know, the anxiety, the stress. These are the things that stop them maybe taking the risk earlier or Mm -hmm. made them pull back on these risks. So for you, meditation was key to seeing the thoughts for what they were and and going for it anyway, right?
0: Yeah, and just seeing myself for, for for who I was. Um, And not being ashamed about it or not kind of, um, you know, stopping myself from thinking about the possibilities or, you know, not kind of being negative about what the opportunities could be um, and just being more explorative and just thinking, well, maybe it's possible, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, well, <laughs> I'll just give it a go. I'll just give yeah. it a go and I'll just see, you know, what is the, what is the big risk? You know, what is the, what is the worst that could happen? Mm. Um, you know, and what am I doing here? Not allowing my possibilities to happen. That's probably taking more energy um, and more internal stress than me just going for it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And what was the driving force? Because at the time, yeah, you're, you're working in, which, which which company were you at? So in I was at the, Amazon. You were at yeah. Amazon when you made that mm. switch. What was the driving force behind making that switch? You know, What mm. led you to decide to take on that risk?
0: I mean, there's actually a bit of a longer version of the story that I think yeah, it, I'm, I'm, for I'm for almost it. bored of telling it, to <laughs> be honest, but I really think the universe was supporting me to, to start going on a different journey. Mm. Um, I, So I've always had side hustles Mm -hmm. when I was working in corporate. So I was in corporate for 15 years. And, you know, my aspiration was to become, you know, the head of a large recruitment team in a huge company. Um, And that's exactly where I got to. And so I was the head of um, Europe, Middle East and Africa for Amazon and Amazon Web Services, the cloud computing business um, for one of their recruiting teams. And so that was pretty much the dream. And I was like, this is the dream. Like I've I've hit the dream. This is amazing. <laughs> um, and at the time, I had you know a little side hustle doing sustainable fashion blogging with mm-hmm. my sister, and then I had my own stationery business. Um, and you know everybody knew that about me that there was some. I was at some point in my life going to go and be an entrepreneur, but at the time didn't realize I probably just wasn't brave enough to do it. I also come from a family that is very entrepreneurial, so okay. I was the pretty much the the first person in my family to really go down the corporate route. Wow. Yeah. So normally the other way
1: around. That's (laughs) so interesting. Yeah,
0: exactly. And my sister went down a semi corporate route, but she's a creative director and fashion designer. So you can, that can become very corporate, but she still had that real connection to her creative soul and her creative energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom was a performer, singer, dancer um, in South Africa. And then she became like a property mogul and then she became an author and then she kind of did all these different bits and pieces. And that created quite an up and down life for us because being an entrepreneur, as you know, is not not always very stable. So I think there was a part of me that was just like, oh, stable corporate career. This feels quite relaxing. (laughs) But obviously after 15 years, I realized that it is just in my genetics to do something else. And I'm clearly longing to be my own boss mm-hmm. and to pursue some of my passions. And so at the time, I took a sabbatical um, from work thinking, oh, I just need a breather of three months and then I'll be fine. And mm-hmm. I, I'd had a coach at the time who was coaching me, and she you know, kept asking me like, "What? You know, what do you want from the coach? And I was, like, "I want, I want you to coach me so that when I go back, I'm even stronger and better, and I'm going to be like pow, 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 and I'm going to create all these new teams, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to change the way we think about recruitment in the company." Um, and she was like, "Hey, I can do that for you, but I don't think you're expanding what's possible for yourself. You know, I don't think that you're thinking outside of the box. You just want to, you're just aiming to go back there." Mm. And I thought, well, that's that's kind of what I want to do. Like, yeah, maybe I'll have a side hustle, but that's the plan. So as time went on, I started pulling out lots of different skills that I had, and desires, and passions, and things, and started meditating. And
1: so that was when you started meditating. At that point,
0: that yeah, that well, I'd been meditating for a long time before that on apps as well. Right. But that's when I started going down the route of what are the Vedic traditions? Yes. You know, what's the science? Um, and started joining courses that were very in depth, mm-hmm. and then. Um, Later on down the line, carried on to become a teacher, but that wasn't the intention. And I was like, I need to just get deeper into this and, and understand it. Yeah. Um, and then the universe conspired against me, and so I was supposed to go. Well, for me, actually, I was supposed to go back, and everything just went up in the air. And um, the organisation said, "Look, you know, we're not sure if you're going to have a role." Wow. And it was a it was a very long legal process. So I had almost six months where I was pretty much on gardening leave. And there was opportunity to kind of stay or maybe go. And I just remember thinking at some point in that really time for myself, I just thought, why am I even trying to go back? Like, what what am I doing here, you know? Like, who am I? Sort of asking myself, who am I? Who am I? Um, and part of the practice that I ended up becoming a certified teacher for is literally just asking yourself over and over again, who am I?
1: Right. Okay. Because I was going to say, I'm not familiar with uh, the traditions. I was going to ask that question.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's a um, Sanskrit mantra based practice. So you get given a mantra that is based on the time and place and day of your birth. So there's some links to astrology and the positioning of okay. the moon. Um It's the vibrational quality that the universe was making at the time and place of your birth. So it takes you back to your core before you had all the conditioning. And that was when I had the aha moment of, oh my gosh, like (laughs) I'm not actually Katie, the corporate recruitment leader. I was like, that brings me pride from a sense of, oh, I work for Amazon, you know, and oh, I've got this big title and oh, I'm gonna, I'm earning loads of money or whatever. I'm just like, that's never really been me at the core. That's never been what I'm driven by, actually. The title, the money, all of this. That's not how people describe me as a child. And, you know, when I was growing up and it's not actually how people who who meet me initially would describe me. Mm. It's this bubble, this corporate bubble, and the people who know me in that see me as that.
1: Yes, I right. can't see it right now for sure. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean,
0: I mean, I've always actually been like this. So imagine yeah. me in the corporate context. Right. I mean, everyone was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and I did really well in it, yeah, right? You know, you yeah, find yeah. your way to kind of do it really well. And but in my heart, I thought, no, there's got to be something else. So that's when I just really started opening up and being like, "What did I enjoy as a child?" You know, who am I? What is my purpose? Um, and then started writing mm-hmm. um started looking at what is it about the corporate space that actually puts me off um and then going down this this journey of becoming a certified meditation teacher to be able to share this realization with with others as well mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah amazing yeah. and it's it's a it can be sometimes a scary moment right when you mm-hmm. almost have that like clearing of consciousness where you go past the ego in some ways of, of you know mm-hmm. what we've built around us and you're like oh wait hold on there's so much more to this and i know if i had i've had really strange moments where you almost have uh especially in transcendental um yeah. practice where you you have those moments where you're just actually am i even in my body right now am i actually yeah, yeah with my ego anymore and <laughs> yeah. um yeah they're amazing moments though and i think uh uh but it's amazing that you have taken that and you know gone so far with it now and and, and run so far with it. how because i know a lot of people listening to this will be either in corporate thinking about transitioning out or just made that jump how how did you feel after taking that risk and what did that that journey look like for you and and was it was it a quick one did you you know feel you had everything you needed or or difficult learning journey
0: It was, you know it's such a funny thing like i'm quite still quite hard on myself in terms of um you know thinking you know i i, I always think i should have done more and that i should be going further that's something that hopefully more meditation will support me with just being comfortable with, you know, how things are going right now. Um, when when I talk about what I'm doing to, to other people or with other people, I realize that actually it has been quite quick in terms of me getting to where I am now. Um, so funnily enough, it wasn't, the transition I think wasn't as hard for me as other people, just simply because like I said, I, I have an entrepreneurial family. Yes. So I didn't have the pressure of, my parents in particular saying why are you leaving a secure job you know they couldn't say that because they both my dad's a farmer in Swaziland right so you know there's if for him it was kind of like what are you doing in the corporate space yeah. you know so when I was moving out of it there was actually support from my family like Oh, this is amazing. Give it a go. Take the risk. You know, they're, you know, they're quite risky, you know. Um, why not try? You know, yeah. and, and you know, especially for my mum who's quite spiritually connected, you know, she she was like, Oh, I knew this was gonna happen, you yeah. know, you were you were a spiritual being, like this was always gonna be your journey. I'm so proud of you, you know. So actually I had a lot of support to be able to make that move. I didn't feel the pressure, and if anything, it was maybe Um, colleagues of mine or people Mm -hmm. I'd worked with before who were like, why would you, you were like on the precipice of becoming a global leader of blah, de blah. And I'm like, yeah, I've just realized that I don't want that. So, so actually that's fine with me not to continue and do that. Um, so that was actually quite, um, easy and comfortable. What was really hard was knowing how to be an entrepreneur, the kind Mm -hmm. of the tools and the support and the, you know, the, the mechanisms of actually doing it. Um, you know, things like getting an accountant and and making sure your taxes are okay and registering a company and, you know, suddenly you will be talking to corporates and they're like, are you, are you VAT registered? And you're like, "Uh." (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm just coming to chat to you about empathy. (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 you need to be a company. Yeah. Real lack of
1: empathy in that conversation. Yeah. They're asking about VAT registration. I know. I know.
0: I was like, what is it? What is it? Why am I doing it? You know, so that the technical side of things of having a business was, was really quite challenging for me. Um, I'm semi operational <laughs> in terms of my skill set. I'm definitely more of a visionary in terms yeah. of doing things and you know aspiring to do things. So understanding where I needed to ask for help mm. and where I could do things myself was super important. So I'm quite an independent soul, so I was like I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll set up my bank account and I'll and then I was just like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get chased by you know HMRC in a second. I you know is my business bank account actually working? Is yeah, it yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, yeah. can I can I just take the salary out? What you know all these intricacies. So I was like, okay, cool. I have to just understand that I need some help. Yeah, I need to get an accountant. You know, we need to get a special payroll system. Um, you know, I need to have um, you know specific invoicing processes. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I'm sending out really um, kind of professional provo- proposals and stuff like this so that bit was yeah a little bit trickier for me i would say that the, the technicalities were were a little bit hard the other thing was um how much you really have to market yourself mm. so yeah <laughs> yeah i wasn't used to that because yeah. when you're in an organisation you just get on with it and your salary comes at the end of the month and you haven't had to necessarily promote your services especially
1: a brand like amazon right everyone's heard of you there's no there's no no knocking down barriers on that yeah. side yeah
0: literally don't need to do anything for like a thousand people to apply <laughs> for a job and you're just like okay cool this is the other way around now and um and being a new person in the industry you're going into you know mm. i've got this wonderful corporate experience but you know i'm not a, a meditation teacher who's done it for 20 years you know i'm not a um workshop facilitator who's facilitated workshops for 10 years you know Mm -hmm. i've actually done a lot internally at corporate but this is me rebranding this is me um, allowing people to see me as the expert i want to be before i'm necessarily the expert right yeah so um that took me kind of going to somebody who could help me with branding just literally in terms of what are your brand colors what are your fonts okay what are your values um, and once I had that core, just the, the colours, fonts, values from there, I felt like a superhero. <laughs> yes.
1: And how much do you think um, getting past those mental barriers is, is key to that? Because I've met amazing entrepreneurs who are brilliant technicians, are brilliant at this, brilliant at that. The thing that I see as is, is the thing which, will, which ultimately holds them back is their inability ability to get over that thing in their head, which says, I'm not the expert yet, therefore, how can I present to be that expert you know it's an imposter syndrome however you want to call it but um Mm. again I guess does that come more from the entrepreneurial spirit in your family does that come more from controlling thoughts and meditation how did you arrive at getting over that that barrier a lot of people face
0: well you know I think it's a bit of a combination of that entrepreneurial spirit I had this Mm. confidence that well I come from an entrepreneurial background so I've been By osmosis, just absorbing how to run a business, right? And you know that I don't know if that's true or not, but that gave me confidence. Yeah, it probably is true to a certain extent, but I think the the key thing is that I felt confidence in that idea of being absorbed, absorbing that. The meditation hundred percent really, really helped me because. It it helped me to actually help me to build confidence, which is one thing. I'm actually generally a little, you know, quite confident, but Mm -hmm. everyone has their moments. But I think what it really helped me with was actually identifying skills that I wouldn't have called skills before. Mm -hmm. So identifying some of the things that are actually really easy for me to do. And sometimes when your things are easy, you don't think people should pay you for them. So, you know, I would be like, oh, it's actually really easy for me to sit down with someone and guide them through a meditation. I had, you know, so many students on my course who really found that difficult. Mm. And I thought this is really easy. You know, it's like having a conversation with someone and supporting their mental mindset and, you know, empowering them. Uh, People shouldn't be paying me for this because it feels like fun, you know. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought, well, no, that's my skill set.
1: That's incredible. That's
0: my skill set, you know, so I was like, oh, I see it now. I see that as my skill set. Right. So I think that's important as well is that we have actually a lot of expertise that we don't label expertise. But when you look at it for what it is, it's expertise. And you wow. don't have to have done it for 10 years. So I was like, okay, cool. Someone else has tried to do this for 10 years and hasn't been as good. It's This is this is my thing.
1: <laughs> I'm learning so much today, I can't tell you. Like, I've never thought about it that way and I think that is such a core part of the imposter syndrome is that, mm. no, this isn't that difficult and therefore if people find out it's not difficult, then I'll be exposed. Yeah. But it's just a skill set, right? That's such a great way of looking at it. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I want to offer you two options here we could go down back down the more (laughs) spiritual route and maybe a bit more abstract or we can go into some questions that I ask uh every every guest who who comes on the show
0: let's just do some for every guest it would be nice for people to feel some consistency okay (laughs)
1: amazing all right so my first question that I want to ask you is what's the single biggest risk you've ever taken and what was the outcome Mm.
0: it's it's leaving my corporate career definitely um that was a huge risk for me um at the time we were living in South Africa actually my husband and I and you know we were kind of like we're not sure we want to stay there forever I've got family there so I'm a mix of South African and British Mm -hmm. um and lots of other things I've done my kind of analysis, and I've got 17 gene pools. So I, but it's, sim- it's simpler wow. to say I'm South African and British. <laughs> um, but you know, it didn't feel like home necessarily there. And and you know, he's he's not South African, and so he wasn't enjoying his job at the time. He was also at Amazon, actually. That's not how we met, but he was also there, and we just started feeling like you know a little bit up in the air with what the future looked like. So it wasn't really the best time for me to be leaving something that was secure. Um, so, but the timing is just never right, you know. And in South Africa, actually, people are a lot more um, spiritually connected, a lot more in touch with nature and a lot to in touch with themselves, partly because they have to be because of a lack of opportunity. So mm-hmm. you're forced to really look at yourself and explore what you can do. Um, people also have to be a lot more entrepreneurial because they have to survive. So you have to figure out how you're going to sell, you know, sweets on the corner of the street to be able to, to feed your kids. And this entre- entrepreneurial spirit is actually part of the culture so it's not um necessarily that strange for somebody to take a leap and do something risky because it's part of the dna almost um for south africans in general that's a very generalization but for a large part of the population um so you know that it it was a risky thing and i was also in a country where i was have the passport but nobody sees me as south african you know, it's the same here in the UK, but it, I thought I would feel more at home there, but it really mm-hmm. didn't. I felt actually more of an outsider. So there'll be much harder for me to actually find a new job and to understand the environment there and the opportunities. So I knew that if I stopped my corporate career there, that that may literally be it. Whereas if I was in the UK, I've got a huge network in Europe mm-hmm. of people who would snap me up in a second, um, but didn't have it there so i was like poof this is a this is actually a big risk yeah. and we're not sure if we're going to move back to the uk so this is the mo- this is it this is i could not have a job for a long time if if i'm making this decision um the the other really Big risk was that, you know, if it doesn't work out, I try not to think about if it doesn't work out. But, you know, at that point, you're a bit like, it doesn't work out. And you've been out of work for six months, 12 months, you become less desirable and nobody will hire you then.
1: It's a vicious cycle, right? It's a
0: vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And I know in my mind, and I was like, I have to be real about this. I'm changing my career. At the time, it felt like completely, but actually there's still a bit of a connection. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, drastically, it's going to take a minimum of 12 months for it to be something so
1: past the point of no return past the point of no return
0: so i was like (laughs) okay like it's not like after six months it's going to be you know boom 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 you know i have to understand that this is going to take a while um so that was that was the biggest risk definitely was was changing that path and when i think about it now that the actual biggest risk was like not having money yeah right and that's the thing that you get so scared about yes it's the trick
1: the world plays on you, right? It's the trick the yeah. world plays
0: on you. And it was like this weird thing where I was so worried I wouldn't have money. And I have had moments in my life where we actually haven't had money in my family. So there's a real, real connection to what mm-hmm. it feels like not to have anything. So I know what it feels like. So I was extra scared of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my husband is has never really experienced that. So he was he's a bit more chilled about it. He's quit his job yeah. multiple times and to find new careers. And he's more comfortable. Whereas I'm like... But we could end up on the street, you know, yeah, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. that conditioning within me was really real. Um, and so I left scared with that feeling and I survived for two years on just building the business. This, this, um, with my savings and, you know, have, having been careful, but also still enjoying life a bit. But that's when I realized that it was a, a, a false fear
1: mm-hmm. at
0: the time that I was having it because I had savings. You know, and I had skill sets and I had opportunity and I was still so scared. So almost like the less money I had, the less scared I was. Yeah, 100 percent. It was crazy. I was like, why am I so relaxed? And you just start to kind of trust in the process and relax into it and believe that it's going to happen. And, you know, and things are actually picking up loads now. So it is that patience. Mm-hmm. But but that was the biggest risk I took and the, the most scared I ever felt but was actually the point in technically I should, shouldn't have been scared.
1: Mm. <laughs> I, it's, it's such an interesting answer. And uh, again, something I've heard from, from other people, something I experienced myself mm. is that, you know, when you have had those moments, my dad was an entrepreneur of varying levels, levels of success at varying times. My mum was a primary school teacher who, unfortunately got very ill when I was young. And there was, you know, times where, We had zero money because my dad had flopped a project, you know, not through lack of trying or whatever. It just, you know, it goes like that sometimes. And I had that complex so much where I was like, oh, if I don't succeed in what I do, Mm. I will have nothing. Mm. And it's just that horrible crap that. And I remember one of the most important moments of my life. And I I wonder how you felt when you had this. The first Mm. time, um, and this was when I was just trying to build my first business and way before we ever made money on it. But I was able to monetize my time helping a different company out
0: okay. just for like a
1: one month thing. And I was mm. like, that was one of the most important moments of my life because, like, OK, mm. I have a skill set that I can make money on. Everything's yeah. going to be OK.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And maybe a and part of it is that um, feeling that someone recognizes your skill set that gives you the confidence to do it. You're like, Oh, OK. Somebody else sees what what I'm able to do. And that that means I can do it, you know, yeah, <laughs> which is great actually is a really good part to go through. And I think definitely, I think I've tried very hard not to um, partner too much with other companies and the, the main, and I have done a little bit recently actually with with mm-hmm. one individual who, who was very inspiring and who I've done kind of a programme with. Um, but the main reason is just because the kind of work I do is, is very hard to put into a box. So I don't want to be dragged into um, maybe a stereotypical type of work um, because I'm trying to do something that's very different and unique. Mm-hmm. And there is nobody out there at the moment who I'm aware of and who is, you know, within this region or whatever to to partner with, who replicates what I'm trying to do. So that has, has stopped me from doing too many kind of um, collaborations and yes. stuff like that. Whereas obviously I, I'll go and support organizations with their empathy and their meditation. Um, it comes from a very kind of human perspective. Obviously being human well is, is mm-hmm. what I'm all about. Um, but there is that sense of when you're starting a business, you've probably had it before, where you're just trying to keep it um, as close to your values and as close mm-hmm. to your dream um, and not letting other companies or other people kind of toxify it, if yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> like while you're trying to build what it is, um, right?
1: <laughs> 100%. Okay, my next question for you is, is there anything on your journey that you wish you did differently?
0: Gosh, I <laughs> feel like so good about how it's like gone no, and how it great. feels. Yeah, I really Amazing. like yeah, I really do. You know, one thing that I might have done differently and this is this is maybe more of a personal thing than a than a work thing, but you know, obviously as I started going more into um kind of the meditation mm-hmm. and really exploring what I wanted to do is that there have been maybe a few tiny moments where when you, when your consciousness starts shifting and raising and expanding or whatever, that you kind of wish people around you went on that journey with you. Mm-hmm. And so you almost have a feeling of, can't you see like what you could do? Can't you see what your possibilities could be? And you almost mm-hmm. get a bit frustrated because you've now, you discovered something that has supported you and your growth, mm-hmm. that you want it so badly for everyone else that you almost impose it a little bit on them. Um, especially the people who are close to you. So I think that maybe at, at points I've been a bit like, you why can't my loved ones see this? You mm. know, like, why can't they do this? Yeah. Um, that everybody is on their own journey um, and actually just – Letting That is part of the meditation practice is actually just letting letting people be who they are. And obviously mm-hmm. part of the empathy journey is understanding that other people have their own path and their own journey. Um, so I've never really done that super strongly. And I'm not sure if anybody would say they ne- that they necessarily felt that I had. Sure, yeah, But there yeah. are definitely parts of me where I've been sitting there looking over the room and thinking, oh, if only you could see what your potential is, yeah. you know, and it frustrated me. Yeah. Um, but they will, they will in their own time and, exactly. you know, in, in their, with their own methods.
1: And it's good intention, mm. right? At the end of the day, you know, it's coming from yeah. a place of of wanting to be a rising tide to lift all boats, you know? Oh, I love uh, that, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, it's great intention, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things I uh, that I've personally been going a bit more deeper into recently is, you know, meta practice where just, mm. you know, hoping for the best for everyone that I know and just, you know, really focusing on that and giving time and attention to that Mm. and, um, knowing that everyone's on their own journey and Mm. hopefully come to a different times, but for sure, you know, especially after a few drinks, I'm definitely going to (laughs) try and inspire everyone to to go down this journey. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: Okay. My next question for you is what does it take to be successful?
0: Hmm. Well, it's different for everyone. I think, yeah, I think it's different for everyone. um, You know, I, I, I mean, I personally think it's, it's an aware, it's awareness, Mm -hmm. it's awareness of the possibility. Um, You know, like we were saying earlier, it's not necessarily that you are the expert in something. Mm -hmm. Um, It's awareness of those skills that you have and being able to draw those out and, and use them Um, and an awareness of what you're good at and being able to go full force in that direction. Um, I think we're, A lot when we're at school, you know, we we kind of do all these different subjects and the ideal scenario is you get an A in all of them, um, but that's we're just not built to be good at all of them. And then when you go into work, you know, the idea is that you can be good at every element of your job and so you have your performance review and there are bits that you're not so good at and then people say, work on those bits, work on those bits to try and balance it out, Right. Um, But I'm a big believer now in, you know, what are your superpowers? What are the things that you find easy? What are the things that bring you joy and ease? And focus on those and go full force there. Mm -hmm. So I think that we would probably have a lot more entrepreneurs if we had the opportunity and if we gave, you know, children, but even adults, the chance to actually identify what are the things that are easy, what are the things that bring you joy, and then double down on those Right versus spend your whole life trying to become better at something you're not wired to do. You know, <laughs> I just think what have we done to the world? Um, so, yeah, and we're not supposed to be good at everything, right? We're it's supposed to. Possible, it's right? not possible, and we're supposed to look to other people for support and community and expertise, right? Um, so, I would say that's probably the the kind of secret source of success is figuring out. What is the thing that you're um, naturally good at or the, that brings you bliss and joy? And then that's probably your entrepreneurial journey or the job you're supposed to be doing.
1: Love that. Mm. Uh, I think that's an amazing answer. And how much then is it important that people, I, I find sometimes actually within entrepreneurial community, sometimes it's um, the most difficult. And I see the same with actors and comedians and and, and you know people in entertainment. It's the same thing where it's like, the odds are are really difficult. You have to deal with loads of rejection. You have to keep on going. You have to have that perseverance. You know, it's where opportunity is maybe, um, you know, far more stacked against you than, than towards you, for example. How important is it to be hyper-realistic in those situations and say, well, actually, do you know what? I'm better at this than that, even if you feel like that's your passion. You know, that's, that's where yeah. it can get difficult at times,
0: right? You have to be realistic. Like, mm. you, ha- you have to be a re- realistic. And it's, again, it's that awareness, awareness of, is this something that is actually going to, you know, does it bring you joy if you're consistently getting rejections? Mm -hmm. You know, is it your passion if you're consistently getting rejections? You know, maybe not. Um, So you have to have that reality check every now and then and to take that opportunity to try something else. And then you might be like, oh, this is actually more joyful or this is actually making me um, happier. Um, So that awareness is absolutely key. Um, I've like for myself like right now I will say this I love you know I'm loving this but I don't know if I will in six months 12 months it's important to check in yeah is it working you know what are the finances looking like you know what is the feedback from everybody else um that regular check-in will help you to to realize because you could find yourself after you know well I mean I did 15 years in corporate right so you can find yourself many years down the line Thinking, you know, without knowing that 15 years have gone by mm. and you're like oh my gosh I didn't check in on myself whether I actually still enjoy this I absolutely enjoyed many years of that time but not 15 years of it so the actor or you know the chameleon who's trying to go down this path should probably check in more regularly about whether this is the right thing for them to be doing and then explore other things and there's no shame in what people might perceive as failure, right?
1: Yeah, It's exactly. not, it's
0: exploration. I mean, I have done so many wacky things. Like I remember once I had this um, company called London Cupcake Tours. Okay, I, nice, things. sounds great. Oh, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a big cake fan. Um, and, you know, it was like, it was, I was probably like 10 years ago, but you would have this little pack that people would buy and it would have a map and then it would, they would go to all the cupcake stores in London. They wow. have a voucher in there and a box and they would like basically fill their box with cupcakes. Okay. Yeah, it like, sounds so much fun, but what a terrible business. I mean, the cupcake shops were closing and moving and the vouchers would expire and, and all of this, you know, and I had to at some point just be like, what? <laughs> what yeah. is this? What is it? I like cake, but maybe that shouldn't be my business. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's
1: fascinating. And, and you're right, that's it. Like, I see so many people putting themselves through suffering because they feel like the world or society feels that they should be this, I have an expectation on them mm. for this, but... Ultimately, that's it. We have one life, you know, of of an undetermined length of time. You know, it's got to be our responsibility to um, check in with ourselves and say, well, actually, am I enjoying this? Because who knows how long the ride is. right? Yeah.
0: And the struggle is not the glory. I think there's also a kind of attachment to this. You know, if I'm persistent enough and, Mm. you know, if I keep going and if I'm going to like if I live in like poverty or whatever that, you know, the in order to see the, the blossoming of the wonder of what I'm supposed to do, I should have to struggle first.
1: Yes, the idea of the starving artist, right? Yes,
0: exactly. And we and you know, even and you can even apply that to like a banker, for example, yeah. this idea of like, well if I work the long hours and, you know, make the money and everything, then I'm you know, then I'm gonna be like the banker who did it or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I survived it. It's such a wonderful you know, there's so much of our lives that are built around this idea of it, it's gotta be hard for us to to get the the, the gift at the end or something. Um and I actually really really believe and I hope it's the same for everybody but I really believe that it's the the ease and the simplicity and the joy of life that is the success mm. not the struggle to get that and of course I have to work hard sometimes and work extra hours to to make my business work but I'm very good at balancing having the holidays and not going into the evenings too much and yeah. you know saying no to things and Doing the socials and mm. you know making sure I get to the sound bath or whatever it is because it's the, it's the balance that is the joy, right? It's not. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be a struggle. The universe will provide.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so and it doesn't. And when they say the universe will provide, it doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire with an eight bedroom house. Of course. It might not be what you want or what you need, and it probably won't bring you joy. Yes. It will provide joy and bliss, right? Mm-hmm. And security, just enough security for you to to be whatever. And when you're feeling relaxed and secure then that's probably when the money will start coming in if you want it and if the universe provides it. But it's not the, um, that's you've got to think about what you're actually trying to attain here. Yes, it, yeah. it's why
1: purpose is so important because mm. then it's like um, like you said, are you enjoying it? When you find that purpose, then actually you find that making sacrifices, whatever you call it, but when you're genuinely enjoying that purpose and feel like mm. you found your calling in that way, mm. it becomes much easier to to commit as well, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And knowing that it's a journey that, your purpose will shift and evolve and change, maybe, you know? Yes. Being open to that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, a yeah. it's always a scary thing to to have that realisation that well actually I'm going to go all in on this right now, this is how I feel right now but it may change and it's a scary concept to a lot of people right, Mm -hmm. a lot of what we've built our modern day society around at least traditionally is you're with one person for your whole life you're in one job for your whole life like everything was all about okay this this is the fixed plan that's obviously totally unnatural in many ways Um, okay my last question for you is uh, 15 year old Katie walks in the room right now, what are you going to tell her?
0: (laughs) oh do you know what I'd probably tell her so, um, I, so I I write a lot of poetry I did a lot of writing in general but poetry I started when I was a kid and when I was really first able to write um, and at that time was probably when I thought it you know I, I was writing a lot of poetry kind of expressing my feelings and putting it down on paper and my family had gone through a lot of changes and parents separating and moving countries and a lot of kind of turmoil at that time and poetry was something I did very naturally to to put my emotions down on paper and my experience down on paper. So if you read my poetry, there's hundreds and hundreds of poems. You could map wow. how I felt probably every month or so. You know that this this is this is how Katie felt and or what she was doing or what was in the news or what was happening in the world. Um, but I had no idea at that point that that could ever be part of my adult life or my um, adult skill set or even see it as a skill set or see it as a passion. It was I don't know why, I don't know, I don't know how I ended, I just loved paper, and that's obviously why I have a stationary business still, but I had no idea at that point that that could be um something for me to focus on and be proud of and mm-hmm. expand on. Um, and then obviously life happens at around that age, you start kind of thinking you're an adult and then you you start your conditioning gets even more and more severe. And so I moved away from writing for quite a long time after that and I've come full circle now to to do the writing and I've kind of, you know, probably between 15 and maybe five years ago wrote maybe a couple of poems a year, but had so much more in me that I didn't do. Um, So part of me thinks, gosh, if i had recognized that at 15 years old, if I had paid more attention to it and, you know, if society had actually um, rewarded the arts more.
1: (laughs) Sure, yeah.
0: (laughs) Then I could have started my writing journey much earlier and, you know, and I don't regret that, but it's just something that little 15 year old Katie probably would have liked to know. Yeah. Yeah. That it, that's that's a skill.
1: <laughs> Amazing. That, that's a really nice one. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, most people when, when we ask them that question, it's uh, just telling them the words that they, they you know, they'd wish they'd known at that time. And I think when it comes to um, the advice that most people give, it, it's often to do with being creative. You know, really? yeah. yeah absolutely okay. and, and just you know nurturing you know skills that were maybe there and it's just uh it's a really interesting one because i think uh you know although people are now in a place where for the most part they're happy they love what they do and they wouldn't change things at mm. all um it's just interesting that people seem to always go back to the idea of creating you yeah. know and that, that be, it's something people wish they did more
0: yeah i can see why i can see why yeah
1: katie mm. what would you like to plug
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, I am here for anybody who wants to learn more about meditation. Um, I have a number of online courses, but also workshops I run in person. You know, a big part of me being still in contact with the corporate world is that I have a very strong belief that workplaces can be more human. Mm-hmm. So I'm plugging the gap that I feel I would have loved to plug when I was there internally, but nobody. it's easier to do it when you're external, is to bring the humanness back into corporates, and that is through um, cultivating the recognition of how empathy is good for business but also good for humans and retention and engagement and all of that, and that the most wonderful tool to, be, to kind of grow into a more empathetic human being is meditation. So if you want a bit of that in your corporates, if you want a bit of... Raising your self awareness and consciousness, I would absolutely love to help you. I love mm. that.
1: And where can people find you?
0: On So, my website is beinghumanwell.com. You can find me on Instagram at beinghumanwell. Um, so, very simple. And if you want to email me, it's katie at beinghumanwell.com. So, oh, yeah.
1: Amazing. Katie, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Roy. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for watching the episode and if you haven't subscribed, please hit subscribe below so that you can support the podcast and we can keep on bringing you amazing new guests. If you want to see the other amazing episodes in this podcast, click into our series section. As ever, if there are any other guests or topics you want us to explore, just let me know in the comments and we'll do our best to bring someone in.